A new book reveals how to recognize and defeat the evil of communism and other totalitarian regimes like Putin's Russia. The Triumph of Good, Cain, Abel, and the End of Marxism, with commentary by the author, Thomas Cromwell. Chapter 3 The Origin of Evil Human Alienation from God The First Section The Biblical Account of Evil's Origin The Bible gives us an account of the original human failure to grow responsibly to maturity and the consequent disaster that befell humanity. It is a story about God's hope for creation, about the disobedience of Lucifer, Adam, and Eve and about their consequent loss of innocence and descent into evil. The relevance of this story is not in its literal authenticity, but in its revelation of truths about behavior and relationships that apply to this day. This is a story that materialists naturally dismiss because it is based on the existence of an invisible creator, an invisible angel on the one hand, and prehistoric people on the other. Yet truth undoubtedly resides in the unseen and the unknown, and materialists themselves have no good explanation for either the origin of life or the existence of evil. All people relate to stories of good and evil, and much of popular literature and art is based on the age-old contest between them. In the case of religion, these stories also form an important element of belief and faith. The hugely popular trilogy the Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien is a story about an epic struggle in a mythical land where the forces of evil threaten to destroy all that is good. As the two sides prepare for war, we get glimpses of a distant past when good prevailed, a past filled with tales of courage and nobility, forgotten by most but still echoing in the memories of some. Tolkien, a man of faith, explained how myth can be the key to truth and to understanding an original world before human alienation from the Creator. I quote, Just as speech is invention about objects and ideas, so myth is invention about truth. We have come from God, and inevitably the myths woven by us, though they contain error, will also reflect a splintered fragment of the true light, the eternal truth that is with God. Indeed, only by myth-making, only by becoming a sub-creator and inventing stories, can man ascribe to the state of perfection that he knew before the fall." End quote. The cinder state that Adam and Eve enjoyed in the Garden of Eden before the fall, referenced by Tolkien, is forever engraved on our usually subconscious hearts and minds. It is the original nature we too are endowed with. Thus the extent to which the biblical account is myth, it is myth based on truth that resonates with our innate sense of what is good and what is evil. Our deepest nature yearns for the original state of innocence and is excited and inspired by glimpses of it in life, in literature and in art. The more we understand and taste it, the more we want it, which explains the universal allure of heaven. 
It also explains why false prophets and false ideologies have been able to tap into this ingrained idealism, leading sincere but naive people astray by promising them fake facsimiles of heaven in the form of materialist utopias. Materialists reject the truth of the biblical account of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden because it is predicated on the existence of an omnipotent creator whose existence they deny. In their view, humanity was not created by a loving God and is not seeking to regain a lost intimacy with the creator, but rather is a highly evolved animal whose aspirations for a better life are based solely on satisfying human needs for intellectual and physical gratification. If they are correct in this, a reasonable person would expect the application of their ideologies to achieve significant progress against evil and injustice and the elevation of civilization's standards. In fact, history has shown that the opposite is true. Wherever materialist theories have been applied, people have suffered and civilization has been ravaged. We have to look much deeper than materialist ideology to find the real source of evil. A new section. The Fall as a Perversion of Divine Love Let us go back to the story of the Garden of Eden and reconsider the relationships among Adam, Eve and Lucifer. According to the Genesis story, God told Adam and Eve that they could eat of any fruit in the garden except the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. However, the archangel Lucifer, symbolized as a serpent, tempted Eve to eat this very fruit, which she then gave to Adam to eat. Taken at its face value, the story hardly provides a credible explanation for the likely origin of evil. The grip of fallen nature on human beings is much more powerful and deadly than the temptation to eat prohibited food. After all, Adam and Eve were warned, and I quote, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall die." End quote. There must be a deeper meaning to this account, one that explains our alienation from God, our own struggles with evil, and the many manifestations of evil in history and the present world. A more likely explanation is this. Lucifer was the being closest to God before the birth of Adam and Eve. As children, they were under the archangel's care. As they grew to maturity, however, they received more and more of God's love, to the point when Lucifer saw his own position of privilege being overshadowed by them and believed the love he was receiving from God was diminishing relative to what they were receiving. In other words, he began to look at Adam and Eve from his own selfish perspective, rather than sharing in the parents' love for their children. Divine love is infinite. It flows to the creation that embodies divine nature. The love Lucifer received as a trusted servant did not diminish, but it was of a different nature from that given to Adam and Eve, God's children. When Lucifer began to entertain these divisive and ultimately destructive thoughts, he started down a path that would lead to the tragedy of the fall. As Adam and Eve became ever more fully the incarnation of divine nature, they received ever deeper love from their Creator. Lucifer's erroneous viewpoint caused him to feel increasingly jealous and resentful towards Adam, and desirous of love from Eve, who was maturing in beauty. 
Unchecked, these impulses drove him to usurp Adam's role as the chosen spouse of Eve and to tempt Eve into an illicit sexual relationship. Eve's spiritual body made this liaison possible. New section, the first lie. In order to win over Eve, Lucifer, the serpent, deceived her with a lie, promising her that if she believed him rather than God, she would not die, but would become godlike. And I quote, Now the serpent was more subtle than any other wild creature that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God say, You shall not eat of any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. End of quote. That's from Genesis chapter 3. This was the first lie. It would make deception and dishonesty the hallmarks of evil and lead to the destruction of the first family. Lying became intrinsic to fallen nature, passing from parents to children and manifesting in what we call Cain-type thinking and action. As we will show, this nature has shaped the history of harmful ideologies, organizations and nations and continues to characterize the forces of evil to this day. But why would Eve respond to Lucifer's deception? The power of love is stronger than the fear of death, and she was not as yet sufficiently mature to control her own feelings and resist Lucifer's temptation. In the Old Testament, to know a woman meant having a sexual relationship with her. Genesis 24:16, for example, says of Isaac's future wife, Rebekah, the maiden was very fair to look upon, a virgin, whom no man had known. End quote. Thus the tree of the knowledge of good and evil represented sexual experience that was not in accord with divine law. The preeminent power of love is by divine design because love is the binding force of creation. It is more precious than life since it gives life purpose and meaning. Once subject and object are united in perfect love, nothing can separate them. At the time of the fall, Adam and Eve were still growing and their love was not yet perfected. To protect them against sinning while they matured, they had been told not to eat of the fruit. Lucifer's seduction of Eve violated his position of trust and caused him to lose his relationship with God. Eve too left her rightful position as spouse of Adam to pursue a relationship with Lucifer and then to seduce Adam. Finally, Adam compounded these acts of disobedience by responding to Eve and entering into a relationship of love with her before they had reached maturity and could fulfill the responsibility of parents. Thus, the violation of the divine order through the misuse of love is the origin of evil. Because of his role as instigator of this series of tragic events, Lucifer became synonymous with the serpent, the devil, and Satan. We can relate this explanation of the fall to our own life experiences, to what we know about our world, and what we know of human nature and history. Only for love will people risk their lives, whether it be love for a person 
an idea, a possession, or a country. Used wisely, love brings the greatest joy. Misused, it brings the greatest misery. As with all the false promises that have deceived humanity and destroyed lives throughout history, Lucifer's promise to Eve that she would become godlike proved to be false. Instead, Eve found herself cut off from the love of God and beset with guilt inherited from Lucifer. She did indeed come to know evil by eating the fruit, but that evil was now planted deep inside her own nature and was impossible for her to remove by herself. From this position of alienation from God, she recognized her spiritual distance from Adam. But instead of seeking his assistance in overcoming the results of her fall, she encouraged him to eat the fruit as well. Thus, instead of Adam rescuing Eve from her state of spiritual alienation from God, he joined her in that alienation. We contend, then, that although wrapped in metaphorical language, Genesis actually describes an illicit relationship between Lucifer and Eve, which led to a premature relationship between Adam and Eve. Only after reaching maturity could the first couple fulfill the mission to establish a family at one with the Creator, and their ability to overcome temptation show that they were as yet immature. Their misuse of divine love explains why the divine purpose for the first family and all humanity was thwarted at the outset of human existence. The first family became the dwelling of Satan, not God, and the descendants of Adam and Eve were likewise infected with sinful nature. The fall of the first family was complete. Jesus would make humanity's inheritance of a lying and murderous nature from Lucifer crystal clear, and I quote, You are of the father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he has nothing to do with the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks according to his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. That's in John's Gospel. New section. Results of the Fall Lucifer's jealousy and resentment towards Adam, his illicit love for Eve, and his consequent irresponsible, destructive, and vengeful behavior towards both of them became the core attributes of evil nature that we recognize in ourselves and the world around us. Acting on his self-centered impulses, Lucifer infected Adam and Eve with poisonous thoughts and feelings that alienated them from God. In effect, he was responsible for their spiritual murder. In addition, his fallen characteristics became the sinful essence of the first family and the inheritance of Cain and Abel and all their descendants. In the next chapter, we will elaborate on the influence of this sinful inheritance and the way it can be rooted out of human lineage. The traditional interpretation of the story of the fall has never explained more than the importance of obedience to God. This is a meaningful lesson, but our contention that the real cause of the fall was the misuse of love explains why sexual relations are so often the locus of temptations that lead to destructive behavior. On the personal level, Cultivating godly love is the most important and challenging issue we face in our lives, while on the cultural level, 
It is the key to establishing loving and healthy societies. Furthermore, history shows that civilizations decline when they abandon the moral values and discipline needed to retain the integrity of nuclear families. This is the essence of the problem facing our civilization today. The perversion of love as the cause of the fall also explains why so many exponents of atheistic or agnostic ideology, from Marx to Foucault, have personal histories of irresponsible sexual behavior and advocate for the abolition of traditional families. For them, disbelief in the divine easily translates into disbelief in the value and sanctity of the nuclear family. In the last century, the sexual revolution initiated by the Frankfurt School led to social chaos and countless personal tragedies, a trajectory of human behavior that continues to reap a bitter harvest of broken relationships and shattered dreams. The postmodernists have taken sexual liberation theories even further by challenging the basic order of nature claiming that gender identity is different from biological sex. Tellingly, the most active leftist groups in the West today, Antifa and Black Lives Matter, both embrace and advocate anti-family ideology and are led by people who do not adhere to traditional sexual norms. New Section Enduring Consequences it is not difficult to see that separated from the parent, creator and teacher, our early ancestors were plunged into a primitive state of existence in which they suffered from a continuous conflict between their originally good natures on the one hand and their susceptibility to do evil on the other. It is from this alienated state of spiritual and intellectual darkness and ignorance that human beings have struggled to understand themselves and their world initially through religion and later through science as well. Ever since the fall, the struggle for knowledge and wisdom has progressed in fits and starts, as our ancestors have tried to understand the internal truths of existence and human relationships and the external laws that govern the natural world. This human state of confusion is a midway position between two competing influences. One is good, encouraging us to take the path of responsibility envisioned in the original creation. The other is evil, encouraging us to act on our own self-centered impulses by blaming others and seeking revenge for perceived injustices. The struggle to be good has been so difficult because evil has, from the time of our earliest ancestors, dominated good. This was demonstrated when Cain, the elder son, murdered his brother Abel. As the firstborn, Cain enjoyed the natural primogenital right to inherit his parents' legacy. However, this legacy was that of the fall, not of a good family and world. Abel suffered under the dominion of his brother, as have all Abel-type figures in our Cain-dominated world. As we will demonstrate, humanity progresses when Abel succeeds in winning over Cain, ideologically or practically, but is set back when Cain dominates and destroys Abel. According to this Cain-Abel paradigm, good has had to struggle against the dominance of evil, which offers a false facsimile of the good to seduce the vulnerable. 
However, history shows that with divine providence on their side, wise and sacrificial Abels have advanced the cause of good. As we will show, Marxism and critical theories are the culmination of a history of false ideologies based on Cain-type thinking and action, based on deceptions and outright lies. Marx and Engels looked at the world as if it was in its original state and not as a corrupt, Cain-type facsimile of the original. They never realized that this was not the world originally intended, and consequently they developed a theory that embodied the spirit and substance of evil that Cain inherited from his parents, and ultimately from Lucifer. They misidentified capitalism as the source of evil and communism as the good alternative. Their critical theory descendants went further by denying the biological basis of the natural order and the moral basis for social order, replacing traditional families with a chaotic Luciferian hell. New section, the creator's parental nature. In a state of ignorance, how can we ever regain the lost knowledge of the ideal world of Eden? And how can we ever restore divine love to its rightful place at the center of our lives and society? Our hope lies in a creator who cares, who is more eager than we are to see people restored to their true selves so that they can achieve their full potential. The characteristics that make us distinctly human reveal that our maker must be the original source of love as well as having the capacity to experience the pain of separation and failure. This is not the distant creator of deism, but the loving parent of all humankind. The parental heart of our creator is then the spiritual force behind the divine providence that seeks to guide humanity to its proper place in the universe. Most of us recognize that the love and heart of a parent for their children is the highest expression of human emotion. Indeed, it is the most profound aspect of this love that renders us, as parents, most vulnerable to the responses we receive from our children. If we have been endowed with the capacity for such sacrificial, all-embracing love for our children, might not our creator, parent, be the origin of such profound love? And might we not conclude that our own capacities for great joy and profound grief reflect our Creator's own experiences of joy and grief with us? New section. We are not alone. If so, there is reason to hope that we are not alone. A parental heart is broken by the suffering of children, but it is also determined to save them for better things, for the best possible future. If Almighty God were not parentally inclined, what would prevent the Creator from becoming the destroyer, putting an end to human beings, if not the whole of creation? Indeed, would that not be more merciful, since human suffering would be curtailed? According to Genesis, there was such a time when God destroyed all but the family of Noah. That didn't work. Evil survived the flood. Since then, however, Scriptures indicate that our Creator has been striving for millennia to save humankind from destruction. There must be an ultimately good telos, a good future for humanity, that justifies this effort and the love for us it represents. The other cause for hope is that we humans have free will. We don't need to repeat forever the disobedience of Adam and Eve 
or the murder of Abel by Cain. We can choose differently. Again, history confirms that when human beings choose to obey the divine and do what is right, their efforts are rewarded with civilizational progress. To begin to understand how the wrong of the fall can finally be righted, we can look to the children of Adam and Eve. On one level, Cain's murder of Abel marked a repetition of the fall in which the servant Lucifer destroyed God's children, Adam and Eve. Yet their story also reveals a strategy for isolating and ultimately overcoming evil. This is what we will examine in the next chapter. End of chapter 3